0: Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of TOWAS VIVENCIA, the podcast, in this second season, Bridging the Gap. In this second season, we are bridging the gap between some of the top dance companies in the whole world and our community. TOWAS VIVENCIA will be collaborating with dancers who are, or have been working with the greatest choreographers and companies of the 20th and 21st century. These incredible artists bring these incredible works and performances to life and they have generously offered to share how they train in order to do so. Their personal approaches to the company's technical style, cross-training for both body and mind, and staying creatively inspired. All this and more will provide a unique insight into how these dancers work, how they work within these companies and how they bridge the gap between their previous training and what is required to work with those companies. Hello, everyone. I'm really happy to have with us today Jos Baker. Jos is one of those dance artists that we have seen each other a few times uh, at the door of a theater in the middle of nowhere in a dance festival. But he's someone... That i've heard a lot about uh we've been always crossing paths when i was teaching in seats she was about to come etc 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 but i never had a, a real long conversation so i'm really excited and looking forward for this one. First of all josh thank you very much for being with us today
1: thank you for having me it's great to be here i'm looking forward to looking forward to our conversation
0: me too and uh it's, it's quite funny but it's the second in a row that is happening from Brussels. Last week we had a uh, rope. So this is kind of like my first question because I've been living in the UK for 12 years and beside you and uh, Niku, Navala Chaudari, ah, Ian Garside is the other one. There are not many British dance artists that kind of like jump to the mainland Europe and develop their profession there. Can I ask you, why do you think is that and how, why did it happen in your case?
1: Indeed, yes. Um, Ian Garside, in fact, I was friends with him. We were studying together in, in England and then we were studying together in, in Brussels as well. We ended up living together here in, uh, in in Brussels. A
0: small world. small world, yeah. And Scott Jennings, I'm thinking about. So the more I think about it, the more British dance artists.
1: is another one. I mean, there are a few and I think, I think it has been increasing over the years. Um, when I... Uh, when I left the UK in 2006, I, I think it was quite unusual at the time for young British dancers to to leave and uh, and go go to other European countries to study and to work. Um, the the, the pathway for me actually was that like when I was looking into dance schools, when I was about 17, 18 years old, and the only ones that really factored into my head were, were uh, Northern contemporary dance school, London school of contemporary dance and, uh, and Laban. Um, Those were the three that I was, I was aware of. And the idea of leaving the country to study didn't even enter into my consciousness actually. Um, And then, then, when I arrived in in London and I, I started studying in Laban, a lot of my friends were had travelled from other countries to come and study in that school, and um, through getting to know people of, who were uh, from other places that had come to study. Um, a bit of me got got jealous I thought it was kind of a a a really um important and interesting life experience that they were going through to live in a different place that is not your not your own country I think it gives you a different perspective on uh on other countries and on your own country as well and on on the cultural cultural differences even I mean I'm in in Belgium it's not a million miles away um either geographically or culturally um but I, I thought it was really interesting to have that that different perspective, and then also through friends of mine there, there was um, uh, I, I heard of this school parts the the school associated with the, with Rosas and Aunt Teresa de Kirschmacher, and people were saying good things about this school, saying it was a really interesting school that the um, that the training there was really interesting, that the students were really interesting, um, and then it just happened. I was living in southeast london and uh parts had a pre-selection audition just down the road from my house on a saturday morning and i thought i would go along for a laugh and uh just to sort of see what it was about and see what the the teaching was like and and if it would if it interested me with no real intention of going to the final round of the audition never mind going to the school um i still had uh, another year to do in Laban to finish my training there and get my degree, um, and also I was already booked to do a project over the period of the audition. So, so I it wasn't something that I was really taking seriously. Um, but I passed that first round, and I found it really interesting. And there was something about it that um, the the lessons that just sort of I was like ah, I kind of would like to find out more about this and see see where it goes. So I managed to rearrange the project and go to the final round of the audition. And the, again, not planning to go to the school, just wanted to have a taste of it, see what it was like. And each step of the way, each time there was a, a selection in the audition, I passed. And every time that I passed through the next round, I wanted it more and more um, until by the end of the audition, I was like, oh, I think this would be, this would be really interesting, a really interesting experience for me. Um, and really expand my my horizons, I think also the other the other young dancers that were in the audition that I was taking the audition with i I found them really interesting and them really inspiring as well as the classes themselves um and the idea of uh, uh, be, being in that group really appealed to me. I thought that I could get a lot of value from it um and then it would sort of expand expand my my viewpoint and there were some stylistic things that I thought. Uh, suited me also Um, but the intention was to come here for a year or two and that was in 2006 and it's now 2021 so it's been nearly 15 years 14 and a half years um, that I've been living here now I kind of got stuck at a certain point and uh, uh, not in an unpleasant way. It's it's great to be here, but um, it, it was never my intention in the first place.
0: I can relate because I moved to the, I was in Belgium for three years. I moved to the UK for 18 months and 13 years later, I was still there. So I, I totally understand what you mean. But you mentioned somehow that geographically or culturally is no a million miles away. And in fact, it's two hours in the Eurostar, I think. But culturally, there is something that for me, and I, I'm curious about your opinion that it was pretty different from the Belgium dance scene to the UK when I arrive. and right now. I am aware that you were doing a bit of join with DV8. So I know that you keep a foot in the UK. I'm really curious to see what is your experience of the difference, the similitudes in between Belgium cultural scene and the UK. Is there any difference? Do you see that it's the same but just different languages? How, how do you experience that?
1: I think there are big differences. Um... Uh... To be honest, I'm much less involved in the UK scene than than a lot of other scenes. I actually know more about uh, uh, a lot of different countries in Europe um, more than the UK. I don't work so much in the UK. Um, I have the feeling, certainly in in Brussels, there's a very strong... uh, through flow of ideas and people like, I mean, you said that you were in Brussels for a few years, and I think there's a lot of people who come in and out of Brussels. I think for a long time, uh, the UK has said when I left the UK, certainly 15 years ago, um, I got the impression that the dance scene in the UK saw itself as an island somewhere off Manhattan in about 1990, um, rather than an island just next to mainland Europe in 2006 um, and I thought that was just a little antiquated really and for for a, a, an area that is that has contemporary in the in the title of what we do um, I thought that like looking so far back and across such a big ocean constantly was not not the most interesting. A way to be way to be headed i think the uk has has changed a bit and since that's happened and i think there is a little bit more um through flow of things coming in and out of of the country and and uh different ideas being um being passed around um there there are advantages and disadvantages to to all these different things but i, I think it like it was noticeable for to me how as a young dancer the idea of the idea of leaving the country and studying somewhere else just kind of didn't hadn't wasn't on my radar um, as an option. And as I, I mean, I now travel around the world a lot and, and Europe a lot, and I meet a lot of young dancers where that seems very evident that that would be a possibility for them. Um, uh, so I think there's a certain, the, the, there has been a certain kind of isolationism um, it within the, the the dance culture of the UK for a while, um, which didn't really appeal to me. Um, it it was not not so much where where my interest was. I, I wanted to have a little bit more um, expansiveness in terms of the ideas that I was exposed to, um, and also also more of a sense of trying to find the the next thing like where it's going so um uh, like where what the future of dance is going to be um and i I felt like the in the training in the in the uk certainly at the time there was so much looking backwards there was so much and uh, that and very little um, emphasis on what the next thing was going to be i think it's incredibly important to learn learn history uh and uh, in in academic sense but also in a physical and technical sense as well i think that you know it's really interesting to um uh, build on the knowledge that has been built up for a long time right be it uh, ballet or graham or um, tai chi or yoga or um cunningham or release technique like all of these things have have value to them um but but I'm really interested in like where does dance go next and how like how do we make that into something really interesting so that the the those things from the past are there to inform our future rather than to rather than to leave us stuck somewhere um, uh, so yeah I felt like that when I was coming here it felt like so you know the, I was able to get exposed to some some more ideas that were kind of pushing boundaries and, and also in terms of the techniques that I was exposed to, that there was, um, there were techniques that had been developed within the last 10, 20 years, rather than, uh, um, rather than looking back, you know, half a century all the time. Um, uh, So, so uh, that, that was something that I thought was, was exciting at the time as well. I think, I mean, at the same time, the, the, I think the UK, one of the things that, the that is really well established in the uk and has been for a long time is the is theater theater and musical theater and comedy like these are and music as well actually like you know the uk scene is incredibly good for all of the all, all of these things and and all of those things then do influence the way that dance is made and can do that in some really positive ways so um uh one thing that i noticed while looking at uh, british choreographers um they can put on a spectacle in a way that you don't see very much in 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 belgium um it is, it is, uh, there are people who do that here but the, like this idea of like really putting on a show that is kind of tight and crisp and and uh um yeah, really hits its marks very strongly, which I think I, th- I think has some influence from that musical theatre thing. Like, if you're going to put on a show in London, for example, you're in you're in competition with the West End. Maybe not direct competition, but you know that it's right around the corner. Um, so if you if things are a little sloppy and a little overly messy, then people are going to know about it. Um, and and I really uh, I really appreciate that approach as well. So I mean, I think there's there's you, you get different different things in different places.
0: Thank you for that, because I, I also experienced that there was a decalage, uh, of course, technically, as you mentioned, because of the emphasis on the dance technique that has been uh, trained mainly in the UK, but also conceptually. And that was my next question, which is uh, fantastic that you already answered about the the idea of the spectacle. And uh, you mentioned also the idea of, of an isolated island and unfortunately uh, there are many of us that are leaving the island at the moment mainly because of Brexit mainly because that isolation it seems that is being uh, kind of like emphasized at the moment which is a pity and hopefully by this initiative by opening the online borders which two years ago no one wanted to do a dance class uh, via via Zoom. The last year it was not of the choice and now hopefully we will be using that very wisely in order to feed uh, the whole world with the best of the best, the most relevant and the future uh, concepts that are going to happen, and I'm very, very interested on in that. That's that's exactly what we are doing towards Juventia in order to build bridges and and facilitate that knowledge without any financial geographical border. So I'm interested from your perspective. Uh, I remember that you and I we were talking that neither of us has a, a crystal ball, so we don't know what's going to happen in the future. But from your perspective. Where is that future of dance going? What what are you smelling? What what is the thing that it's sensing in your fingertips? That is the direction.
1: Yeah, that's. Um, I I broke my crystal ball the other day, so that's a very difficult question to to answer. I'm going to dodge giving a direct answer to it, and instead I'm going to say that I th- like what I what I I think that the ideal is that the ne- like what happens next in dance is is. Unforeseen and unforeseeable. Um, I hope it is that way, actually, um, and also that it is going to be defined by a new generation constantly. Um, that I, I think that I mean, our society and our culture is changing so rapidly, um, and so many things are changing so so quickly that um, what what is going to define dance into the into the future. It should be made by essentially the young i think that i think that this is really really important um that 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 is that that is facilitated so that we can see some things that are um yeah i, I think that that's really important that even, even myself for example i'm not i'm not so old but i there are now a generation of dancers who many of whom i've taught who are now like having a lot of success and and um uh, you know in, in the in the dance market and making work and a lot of them use social media in a way that doesn't even occur to me right um uh, and that and that that is redefining quite a lot of things about the way about what dance is and how it goes i think okay if we look back in if you take a historical perspective right on 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 technology and art you see, for example, about a hundred years ago, you had this boom in cinema as a result as a result of a of brand new technology that was just coming up, right? Like that, it, all, it was just being expanded out into into the mainstream, and people were having access to. And then, if you look at some of like specifically in terms of movement and dance, you have the rise of of a series of forms of dance that that were able to get shown to a much wider audience than they would have done previously. Like, you know, tap and Lindy Harp and things like that, that were that were around at that time um, uh, and being being developed. I mean, those two examples also particularly being developed by uh, African-Americans um, that and that might have stayed like within one certain demographic within one part of the world but it expanded out and was seen by people all over the world um thanks to the the, the magic of cinema um and and again we're now going through this period an even more profound period of technological change and and I think that that, def- that defines not only what what we can do conceptually in terms of dance but it actually defines what what happens T- uh, on a on a technical level as well uh, you mentioned that now for example people are learning a lot more things online and that has a bunch of challenges to it and there are some things that don't work out smoothly and other things that work really really well th- th- but there's a form that that has only existed for the last well I don't know exactly but I think it's you know it's really expanded over the last 10-15 years which is tutting and finger tutting specifically which are forms which require a very isolated viewpoint, right? Like for f- finger tutting specifically to work, or to, well, tutting in general, like it doesn't work from the side. It has to be frontal and, and it needs one particular viewpoint. It needs a camera looking at it, right? The, and the technique itself is developed by the idea of, uh, by, by that camera. Um, finger tutting does not work on stage. It's not a stage form and it's it's not really likely to suddenly appear in cinema and TV either spontaneously. It requires something like YouTube for it to even exist or TikTok or you know like it requires a very sort of cheap and um, easy way of sharing small short videos across the entire world and without that the entire discipline could not exist, really. I mean, well, one person could do it by themselves in their room, but the ideas could not be shared. The ideas could not really be expanded upon. Um, so I, I think that the, the interaction of, of uh, technology and social media with our physical selves is already Mass, becoming massively impactful in in what dan- what dancers are doing, the way dancers are relating to each other, uh, the way yeah the way dance is being is being used, and also the movement that is being made as well. Um, so, I don't know exactly. I don't know what the future of dance holds, but I I, I think it it has to and will uh, irresistibly um, include our interaction with technology. Um, and, and be 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 turned into something as a result of that that interaction with technology.
0: Uh, you mentioned at some point about young artists who were uh, some of them were your students, and I can relate to that because I I can imagine a few names. So here is two questions. The first one is, can you provide us a few names of people to watch because. Maybe we know them through Instagram, social media, or maybe we don't. So it could be good to to have that information of who do you have the radar on. And the second question would be much more personal. How do you see your practice evolving or perfectioning? So I'll I'll make the distinction. Evolving is like yeah, I'm gonna change this, so I'm gonna modify this in order to to carry on moving in that direction of perfection is like, I know that I have this ethos, that core of work, and I want to go deeper into that. So I don't know if that makes sense, the difference, but how you are pursuing that unforeseeable future in your practice.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, uh, to answer a couple of people to look for on social media, particularly, or that, that I sort of see things pop up from, and I find, uh, that I find interesting to watch to watch um there's a woman called Mathilde Gillette um, or Gillette who um works in Switzerland somewhere and she does this she just puts out these weird little moves that she's just come up with of her doing strange um strange shapes and she gives them all names and she's just an interesting person in terms of her movement research uh like she has these these funny little clips that I like um uh, another guy who i think is just an extraordinary mover is uh che jurado um who i think is an argentinian dancer with just extraordinary mover he does he does insane things um and and then the, the other the other person I would mention I mean there's there's lots right there's many many people who are really fascinating so I'm just giving you a very very small little selection of of uh, of a few of them another one is who works has worked with Che quite a bit who is an ex student of mine is uh, Akira Yoshida who um, again is an extraordinary mover incredibly hard worker as well and 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 is constantly developing his craft and putting out some some really interesting stuff. Um, there's also a, a popper who I, I think is has got a, a nice style guy called I don't know what his real name is, but on Instagram he's called B Nonstop, um, and that's also someone who's, who's interesting. He's got a really nice style, very crisp. Um, yeah, those those are the names that pop into my head to start off with, but there are there are plenty plenty more um, out there. I think the second part of your question, if I remember, you asked
0: me about,
1: what was it? It was something about perfection.
0: Yeah. Either what is the new direction or the new directions that your practice might be taking or it might be not new, but it's like, oh, I'm really interested. Particularly, I am fascinated about performance presence and how, through movement, you can create an experience for the performer that no matter what's happened, the experience is always replicable and they are fully into what's happening uh and The more I advance in my career, the more the deeper I go into that direction. But there are some people who, instead of going deeper into one theme or one idea, they are moving towards something so I'm wondering, what is your work? look like in the near future.
1: So I think I think for me like a the, 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 the I could maybe categorize like what I find really interesting in dancers and what I aspire to myself um in in sort of two two different things. Very broadly um, one of them is is people doing amazing stuff, like people being able to do things in an extraordinary way, either what they're doing is extraordinary or the way that they're doing it is extraordinary, that it just um, kind of makes me have to watch it and rewatch it. And and for me, I'm also then trying to work out either how do they do that or how do they do that thing and make it look like that? What is it that they're doing? And th- so that, that's one thing that I really enjoy. And another thing I really enjoy is seeing human beings real individuals real personalities um and so my my fascination in 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 my own practice in in the work that I make um and actually in the when I teach as well my fascination is with um how can we be both extraordinary and ordinary at the same time how can we um do extraordinary do ordinary things? How can we do ordinary things in extraordinary ways? Um, so so the, when like as 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 I'm watching something or as someone's watching something, they are they can they can be in, uh, entranced and um, blown away by the way something is constructed, the way something is executed but not be alienated by it at the same time. So it's not about um, presenting someone or something on stage as being, um, as being perfect or being above or being kind of um, better than, it, than their audience, right? That, um, that the, the virtuosity of what they're doing actually exposes something about all the humanity in all of us. So that there's something relatable at the same time. I think that's what I'm trying to say. That that if uh, that there is a danger with virtuosity with pushing things really really far, that it becomes just alienating, right? Like it's like, oh yeah, I mean, well, you can do that, but that has nothing to do with. It's cool, but it has nothing to do with my life, you know. Um, so my fascination is with it, how do you how do you do both of those things at the same time, and how do you um, yeah, do something in an extraordinary way which just pulls you in, and I think I think that uh, we I see that across all of the art that I love, regardless of regardless of what discipline it's in, right? Um, that you know, my my favorite singers have a voice that I cannot possibly do, but there's something really human about it and something really personal about it. It is not, um, it is not mechanized. It is deeply human. Um, uh, That my favorite dancers are the same, that if you look at, like, if you look at an amazing actor, if you look at like Meryl Streep or something, and you know, on the one hand, you can watch Meryl Streep and you can be like, wow, how does she do that? That's so impressive. But on the other hand, she'll make you forget about that. And see the character, and see you know, see the, the the humanity of that character, and relate it relate it to your own experiences, and the and the people you know, and the experience the experiences that are around you, and that feels like the essence of performance art. Particularly, is trying to find somehow that some balance between that. I'm not yeah, um, uh, I'm not particularly interested in making things which are which anyone could do um and I'm also not particularly interested in making things on subject matter that nobody cares about <laughs> like I, I my interest is in finding um yeah how to do things in a really special um way but that that is gonna that speaks of our humanity or our human experience of our, or our vision on uh, on something it seems to me that there are All of the artists that I I really love, and I think all of the great artists have, you could break it down in different ways, but you could say that they have, they have essentially two, two qualities. One is that they have a unique and special and individual viewpoint on their subject. And the other is they have the technical ability to be able to share that with somebody else. Um, and I think, I, I think that is true across every example of a really great artist, you know, that, um, uh, and so then th- that I think, I think in, in making work or performing work, then the, the idea for me is to strive for that, um, uh, strive for the individual and the universal. So yeah, you're, you're, your question originally, I think mentioned this idea of, of perfection. and I, I think the striving for, I think that the striving for perfection is an interesting idea. I think achieving perfection is not only impossible but is also boring. Um, that actually what uh, as humans we're, we just constantly have a little we, we, uh, it's our weaknesses and our failures that make us who we are. Um, along with our strengths, along with our, uh, our abilities and, and to, so as, as a performer, to be able to bring all of that onto the stage, I think is, is a really powerful thing. Um, it's that, it's that class, classic idea. I think it's from, from gambling, but that if, you know, if you're weak, you show strength, if you're strong, you show weakness, um, uh, and, and I think we can see so often that people tr- who try and. I think we, we all see in our lives people who overrepresent strength are actually very weak people, right? Um, they're very weak and fragile. Um, a Donald Trump would be a perfect example of this, right? A very weak and fragile, feeble human being who pretends to be very strong and is unable to show any weakness because he is genuinely very weak. Um, and when you see someone be have the the power to be vulnerable in in front of you uh, and to expose their own vulnerabilities it's it takes such courage and it's so it, it's so beautiful and so engaging um that i th- yeah I, I think this is such a precious little little moment um and i would say that often in in the way that dance has been approached for for a long time, dance training and and dance performance maybe not so much the last couple of decades, but for for a lot of a lot of dance history, it's very much about this sort of idealized vision of what a person is. If you look at it like a a, a ballet, a classical ballet, that all everyone in that is like perfect. It's these perfect like platonic ideals of of a. a a particular version of what a body should look like and how it should move and how they should interact with each other and it to me the, the storytelling it is ends up just being pretty flat it's i mean it's uh yeah it, I, 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 and and so like, if if dance is going to is going to also compete in a sort of <laughs> Compete is a weird way, but compete in a a marketplace where there's so many other other forms of of art and forms of expression. Um, Feels like we could also learn from some of them Um, and and notice that how powerful it is when people have that, um, uh, deal deal with the fragility of humanity, right? And deal deal with those ideas
0: um there is something that i've been um gathering from all this conversation from all these classes uh, not only from the teachers the guides but also the the participants who came to the classes and it's that idea of deeply human being human vulnerable the the failures the the, the successes and and what you were saying about uh, the dance competing in, in a market that uh, goes in that direction. I believe that uh, because of the COVID situation and because of how the market of dance was moving in the last few years, actually, dance needs to compete for its own survival because it's becoming more and more endogamic, in my, in my point of view. Uh, funding is getting reduced. So when we realize and and we actually start putting across ma- more that idea of humanity and we can serve not only the audiences, but the people to experience through dance. And I think when we're talking about the future, that's what I can sense, or I wish at least, uh, I don't know if I can sense, but I, I wish that that's one of the the avenues for dance, uh, allow other all people who doesn't have that physical experience to experience what is to be fully human, uh, which I think is very, very um mm. Relevant in the way that you were saying, so can you tell us a little bit more about? Because I know that you have a, a huge, broad experience in in teaching, in choreographing. It's, it's one of your main practices. Can you give us uh, examples and actually probably something that we're going to be experiencing in your classes in, in a week time? How, how do you do that practically? How do you pass that idea to your students, participants, uh, the dancers that you're working with? How how do you take that? Out of them, as a director, in concrete ways, can you tell us about task or or directions, or how do you do that? How do you work on that?
1: Yeah, that, I mean that's a it's it's such a big question, right? And um, so I'll I'll look at it from from a couple of different angles. So in in general, one of the things that I find that is important in my teaching practice um, is uh, is recognizing that. Uh, performance presence is not a separate idea to dance technique that they are actually, that they are part of the same idea. If you practice every day in a certain way, like the, the idea that say, for example, you can train your technique every day, if you're in a dance training program, right? Three, four year program, and you, you train every day, you train your dance technique. And then at the end of that, that you'll then be a great performer is obviously ridiculous that's absurd, it doesn't make any sense that that would be the case, right? If those two things are separate from each other. But if we understand the truth, which is that they could be part of the same idea, then you can train every day and then you will get better, right? Um, I mean, I think there are some people who are more naturally gifted in it than others. Same as some people are naturally more flexible than others. Some people are naturally stronger than others but by training any of these things, you can improve from where you're at, right? Um, so, uh, so so to me, yeah, one part of the, the idea of working on, on performance presence is to incorporate it into our daily practice. Um, so uh, recognizing that not only is, a, is any dance technique class an opportunity to do it, but that actually the principles that underpin a lot of dance technique you, if you slightly change your way of thinking about it can be the same principles that are going to help you to be to to p- perform it and and um and have a bigger range as a as a performer um i think also then just being able to recognize the fact that um that any, like any way that you perform at any moment is always a choice and not thinking about it is also a choice. So, um, there is no, so, like there is no such thing as not making a decision about how you're going to perform something. Um, uh, it's just, it's just always present. And so you had like opening up that awareness and being, being conscious of that is, um, uh, is something that I find really interesting and that I, I, I like to, Kind of speak about an approach in um, in workshops. And, um, the, 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 yeah, the, the, it's it's such a big question. This it's such a big question. I'll touch on a, on one or two other things. I don't want to go into absolute specifics of the exercises we'll do because uh, come take the workshop and you'll find out then. Um, uh, but it, I, I, I think there is there is. So I've come across very often in my teaching experience, young dancers who are in training, who, um, when it comes to performing something, I hear again and again, things like, I'm just afraid to be too much. I'm afraid if I do this, it'll be too much. I'm afraid if I do that, it will be too much. I'm afraid." is the crucial part of that sentence, right? It's not actually, I think that very often it's not actually an artistic decision that's being made. It's a decision based on fear and a fear decision, which is completely normal, right? Because you don't want to look ridiculous. You don't want to look silly. The thing is, if that fear is too overblown in us, if that if that fear is so massive in us, then we don't have the opportunity to, to actually make the artistic decision we want to make. Um, so I will sometimes, deliberately um push people beyond that comfort level and try and get people to be too much it's a bit like say for example if you've ever tried to do a handstand or you've tried to teach someone a handstand and they push up into and they fall straight back down on the way that they came and they do it again and they come straight back down the way they came and they do it again and they come straight back down the way that they came because they're afraid to fall the wrong way to b- fall backwards right because it's scary until you've tried falling the other way, you're never gonna find where vertical is because you're just too afraid to get close to the edge, right? So um, if you wanna be able to get that handstand upright, you have to fall the wrong way a couple of times, realize that it was actually okay. And then you're no longer afraid to search for where the right place is, right? You might not immediately get a perfect handstand, but you won't be afraid to search for where the right point is. Um, and so I think that there's a sort of analogy with performance in that as well, for, for a dancer anyway. Like how do you, um, if you're really, really afraid to go too far, well, let's go too far and nobody dies. Like it's fine. <laughs> it's really fine. And then uh, and then afterwards, it just gives you a little bit more, more capacity to, to find that that precise point. And then um, I'm going to mention one more thing on this, so I could probably talk about it for a long time, and I will during the workshop. Um, uh, but another thing is about actually, like the, the the way that you engage with something is the way an audience engages with something as well. That the like the level of intensity that you give into a certain a certain I, idea is um, uh, infectious. To use the word of the moment, uh, that it will it will pull people into the thing. I mean, it's this is uh, this is not news to anyone, I think. But you know, it's about commitment. It's about committing to what you're doing, uh, taking it taking it seriously, even if you're being silly, right? But still being silly in a serious way, or being serious in a serious way, but really, really um, committing to that idea. So I have some exercises that I, that I've tried mostly in person. Um, So they're going to be, I'm going to adapt them a little bit for for an online course because it is going to work a little bit differently. Um, But we're going to try some ideas, ideas around that. Um, I think that also one of the most important things to me about when it comes to teaching about performance presence and performance practice is to acknowledge that, my viewpoint is not superior to anyone else's right i might have my there are certain thi- there are certain things that i think i can just demonstrate are are true you know like if you go through this process you will have a bigger range of choices and i and i feel confident about saying that if saying like this way of performing something is better than that that's just my own personal taste so um when when teaching around performance practice um I will sometimes say my personal taste, but I will try and acknowledge the difference between my opinion and sort of what is more, uh, has more objectivity around it. And that when it comes to opinion, I think it's interesting to also open up the conversation um, uh, so that like, I might think one thing and somebody else is like, Oh, I thought it was much better that way. And that is just as valid, right? It doesn't have any more, any more weight to it than the, than the thing that I happen to like. Um and I, and I think that a lot of the a lot of the process of learning to be a, a better performer is to watch, is to observe um, and see what other people are doing and reflect on the way that people are doing it and how they're doing it and and see if you like it or not, you know. And if if it's if you you know when you see people you like, I really like their approach to it. Well, then you should watch them more, right? And take take that on board more. Um, uh, and that, that that is a pathway that each individual has to find to a certain extent. Um, but one of the things I like to do in the workshops is to, is to create a space where those conversations are happening and where people are um, engaging in their own their own taste and their own biases and they're, like they're, they're the things that that appeal to them and work for them um, and opening up debates about that. That is also part of the process that I find is really important.
0: Uh, just I can tell you how happy I am to to hear you talking about uh, that performance presence is something that we can train. I think uh, this uh, together with the idea of developing deeply human practices is something that is in the fingertips of many of us at the moment towards Vivente itself is a is a training methodology for that and in the same way that many years ago or many years has to happen for us to know how a plié should be done healthy, uh, in a a correct way, not only aesthetically, but also anatomically correct. And uh, upper body skills for dancers and and core strength. I think those less tangible skills, which is performance presence, is something that we are building in the practice of all of us, little by little. So I also have a huge hope for the future of of that discipline that cannot be separated of dance uh, training because as you said, it is highly trainable. And the, I mean, nice, the,
1: the nice thing with, with of course, with like training and performance presence, as opposed to training a plie or or training some like particular floor work technique is that the if, if you get it wrong, the risks are very low. So you're free to experiment more, right? I mean, sometimes I'll teach some acrobatic things and some floor work stuff. And I'm like, if you don't do it the way that I'm telling you to do it,
0: you're gonna different.
1: hurt yourself yeah exactly like so it's like i'm not gonna you know don't experiment with this other way because it's actually dangerous when it comes to performance presence luckily the stakes are really low the stakes are the, the stakes that you're playing with are, you, you have everything to win and very little to lose
0: actually exactly i was thinking it's totally the opposite because by uh, working on i am afraid working on the choices, working on the committing, actually you are creating a safe container for your practice where self judgment taken another the level. It's not any more destructive. It is something that you can take in order to move at an advance. So I fully agree, it is not something that you don't have anything to risk, but actually by training it, you are safeguarding your practice for much longer in a much better way. Completely agree. Looking forward to see how what that happened on the week of the 15th of March, which is when we have you. So I'm really looking forward to those classes, but also for people who are interested in your work, uh, how to follow you, what where, where they can find about you besides social media. What well, what's 2021 so far? We'll see what happens uh, in a couple of weeks. But so far, what is waiting for you? What is uh, what is waiting for you and what is your wildest dream for 2021
1: so far? Uh. And my wildest dream is just to be able to, like, run around the streets hugging strangers for no good reason. You know, I mean, that would be amazing.
0: Um, uh, Are you going to end up in jail for that?
1: (laughs) I mean, right now, right now, yeah. (laughs) Consensually hugging people. uh, But, um, I mean, I think all of us would just really like, you know, I mean, what what I I really would like to do, like, more than actually... uh, I want the theatres to be open. I want the cinemas to be back open. I want concerts to be back open. I think the, the dance experience that I would really like to have in 2021 is, is not, be, is not about being on stage. It's actually would actually be to be in a concert or in a nightclub surrounded by lots and lots of people up close and sweaty dancing until the early hours of the morning I think that would be that would just be so cathartic right now (laughs) so um that would be fantastic um in terms of in terms of what's coming up for me at the moment uh in the next couple of days uh I am shooting a uh, movie of a stage show that i made called uh w- with some other collaborating with other people a stage show called put out the flame um which we made in in hong kong a couple of years ago with my together with my partner Ines karejo and uh and mw dance theater two dancers from from there um and so we because of covid uh, that it was supposed to be performed in hong kong arts festival this year and instead we're gonna shoot a movie so we're shooting a movie with everyone else in hong kong and me in brussels so that's gonna be quite an experience um at the same time i'm edi- editing um, it's all it's all on lo- it's all videos now right um for the time being so uh, at the same time uh there's a short movie that, that we made with some friends over this over the summer. Or we shot with some friends, and uh, we're currently in the in the post production editing stage of that, uh, and that's going to be premiered in a uh, exhibition in in May. So we're we're getting that done at the moment, and I'm planning to for another. Uh, and to for another piece that I'm due to make in Singapore with the human expression dance company in Singapore um that um I was supposed to be there last year and we ended up working online and making a live stream uh that we that we put out and then the plan is to go to Singapore and turn that into into a stage show um though increasingly that's looking like that might not be possible to do. So we might again uh, rework it and turn it into some digital form as well. Um, And then in the summer, we have performances coming up of a solo of, of mine and Put Out the Flame at Kalamata Festival and in B12 Festival and aside from that i mean i'm teaching around the place i think i'm going to make another little creation in portugal on a, on a student group there as well so every whatever it gets a little boring for me to go on like that uh but a, a lot of uh doing a lot of things on online at the moment a lot of uh digital stuff which has been an experience because i'm suddenly like i've been interested in filmmaking for a long time and have been have done little bits and pieces of it and now i'm having to sort of invest in that more and learn about it and you know i've been um doing some reading and some studying and uh, to sort of build up some skills in that area and figure out how to, how to do that. And then also just learning in the process of doing it as well. Um, and then you asked how people could find me. So, that, I mean, there's my my website, which is jossbaker.org. Um, uh, there's also, you can follow my Facebook page, which is also, if you search for jossbaker.org, Trodden Dreams is the name of my company as well. Um, and you can also find Josh Baker on Instagram. Um, those are the mediums that I work in. Uh, so if you wanna see up, upcoming projects and clips, videos of the stuff that I've I've done in the past and that I will be doing in the future, then, um, then you can find them there.
0: Excellent. And I just wanted to say that We are really excited and looking forward for the classes in a week time. And actually just a a positive note, and I know that we are all very tired and it's exhausting being in front of the screen, but how lucky uh, we are all that to be able to share our practice and to be able to take the practice of others who are traveling all the time, who somehow are accessible or they go to festivals that we cannot afford the the ticket, uh, the flight ticket to, to be there, that we can have them in our living room, like we're gonna have class with you. So thank you very much for saying yes for being with us in a in a week time and really looking forward to that thank you for the chat as well really enjoyed it to see what is the future of dance
1: <laughs> thank you hopefully we'll, we'll get a new crystal ball and we'll be able to figure it out soon
0: i'll order mine on amazon already um, <laughs> great have a good one just take care bye bye